You're listening to Keeping Up With The Knights, a podcast for the faculty and staff at Steele High School, allowing them to connect outside of the classroom. Teacher, coach, mentor, and speaker Michael Herrera, a past district teacher of the year, will sit down with fellow teachers and bring their stories to life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy these stories as they unfold on this episode of Keeping Up With The Knights. Welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up With The Knights for episode number 24. I get the honor to sit down and talk with Melissa Roundtree. So thank you for taking time out of your day on a Friday when we could be grading and doing other things. But you're going to sit down and talk with me and chat for about 45, 50 minutes. So thank you, Melissa, for taking some time today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you, you bet. So the beginning of every podcast, I start with what I call bell ringers. Bell ringers are just simply quick, get to know you type questions that I try to model in a podcast form, which teachers can then do in the classroom. Um, I think ultimately, it's important that we get to know our kids, we build relationships with kids. And by asking simple, shallow ended questions, you can really get to know each other. So Melissa, question number one for you, I start off with the same if you could go back in time, and high five yourself for something that you did, what would you go back in time and high five yourself for and why? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, gosh, honestly, probably just going back and getting my master's, even though I haven't used it yet. Anybody in your family have a master's degree? No. So you were the first? I'm the first. All right. High five to you because that's we share that in common. See, I never knew that about you, and I was the first one in my family to get my master's. Awesome. So there you go. All right, question number two for you. Um, if you could play the role of any movie star or any movie character, who would you be? Oh, I would be Jennifer Aniston. And I would probably be in, I don't know which movie, though. I think it'd have to be a funny one. Would so you be in a movie or would you be in Friends? Oh, I think it'd be awesome to be in Friends. Friends would probably be the best. That's a good answer. My all-time favorite TV show. And I would have to probably say Jennifer Anderson's probably up easily in my top three of celebrity crushes. Yeah, she's beautiful. So, yeah. All right. So uh, question number three for you. What is... One thing that you could go back. So I mentioned, what would you go back and high five yourself for? But if you can go back in time and whisper something to yourself at any moment in your life, what would you say? Uh, I hate to say it, but I probably would have chosen a different path. Yeah. (laughs) Not, not totally a different path. I love teaching, but I probably would have done something a little bit different. I probably would have been a doctor. That's awesome. See, again, that's why I love doing these kind of questions because Melissa, I'm sure maybe we have, maybe we haven't, but that's, that was my ultimate dream. My ultimate dream was to be in the NBA, of course, as a basketball player, but I mean, that's not going to happen. Right. But I still wanted to be in the NBA as a team physician. Absolutely. That's why I went to college. I went to the university of Tulsa to major in sports medicine. I got my master's degree and then thinking, okay, I'm going to go to medical school. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to spend the next 12 years of my life doing this. So, you know, I don't regret it, though, because I really do love teaching and coaching. But, yeah, definitely. Like Mr. Vontes asked me, what would you do if you weren't doing this? I'm like, I 
be in medical school and I'd be a physician somewhere. So what kind of physician? It's not one of your five questions, but what kind of physician would you be? I would be a, at first I always thought pediatric physician or physician, but now later in life, I think I would truly probably be an orthopedist. Okay. All right. Good. I love doing these questions. All right. Uh, favorite movie of all time. Anything funny. Um, I love wedding crashers. Okay. That's a good one. So you like the, you like the comedies. I do. You like to escape when you get home and watch something funny that'll make you laugh. Yes, I do. And you have an infectious laugh, so I can see that. All right. Last question for you is, I hope you're not boring, but what's your favorite cereal? Oh my gosh. I'm boring. It's you are boring. Raisin Bran. Raisin Bran. <laughs> I don't really eat cereal. The only one that I ever eat is Raisin Bran. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. All right, your, your turn. Shoot away. Okay, my first question. What's your biggest fear? Um, my biggest fear was not having children. And that was a, a real fear. Um, there's no reason why that I should have had that fear. Because as a Christian believer, it's not up to me. It's up to him. Right. But you just you talk to yourself and you, you tell yourself these things and they become your truth. Um, so I fear not being a father, but let's go a little different route um, to answer your question. I'm not scared of like spiders and snakes and stuff, but that doesn't mean that I want to be in a room full of them or have to do some kind of like amazing race contest where I've got to like sit in this like cubicle glass plexiglass thing full of them. No, I'm good. I'm dipping out. I agree. 100%. <laughs> I can, I can rescue one and move it away, but I'm not going to be in a, in a bucket with them now. Yep. Yep. Not at all. Okay. Second question. What would your, your dream vacation be? Other than going back to Greece, which I posted on Facebook a couple of days ago, I would go back to Greece in a heartbeat. Um, but for me, it's any place that's quiet. Um, I love hustle and bustle. Like I would love to go to Vegas, not because I like to gamble, but because of all the people and the lights and the noise and just I love to people watch and socialize and have fun in the environment of a party. But for vacation wise, like I'm picking somewhere that's remote, quiet, serene, um, nice atmosphere, ambiance, sunsets, beach, maybe some water, but just somewhere that's just peaceful and quiet. Sounds great. That's I agree. Nowhere in particular, but just I mean, some hopefully maybe exotic place or like even in like, you know, people always ask like uh, mountains or beach, right? To me, I don't care. They're equal to me because they can both be peaceful and quiet. Definitely. Right. So in the Alps somewhere or like on a beach where like the next closest person's like two miles that way. That's right. Tahiti sounds great. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. Um, what's your biggest motivation or motivator? Ooh, good question. Oh man, that's that's a good one. I have not had that now in 24 right. episodes. What's my biggest motivator? The first thing that comes to mind. Well, let me answer two ways. One, being a Christian motivates me to always be an example. And what I really want to say, what what is my motivating factor? It's being that person for my kids Definitely. modeling being a husband being a father 
just, you know, we're not perfect as parents and I'm never going to try to be. And I screw up. And there's times when I'm like, oh, why did I yell at Jackson or, you know, um, but ultimately, I hope in the end, um, I'm going to teach my kids how to be respectful and courteous and just be good kids. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. OK, um, what's your favorite karaoke song? If you were going to sing karaoke, what would you sing? Um, God dang it. So I used to sing a lot of karaoke in college. Um, and it, I'm trying to think of the song right now. Like you stumped me. Cause like, I just, Sorry. it's Garth Brooks. Um, I'm going to have to come back to that. Hopefully it comes okay. back to me, but I like country music. Um, I think just because of maybe a little bit of the deeper voice that I might have, it kind of lends itself towards that. Right. Um, I don't think many people sing Christian music at karaoke bars, uh, yeah. but those are like easy for me to sing, but it, it'd probably be a country song, you know, just some old, you know, good country, country song. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. And I think I probably already know the answer to this one, but what's your proudest accomplishment in life? Man, I'm going to wrap it up with the first question that you asked about fears. Uh, biggest accomplishment is overcoming that fear yeah. and then being blessed with two kids. Cause that, that, you know, even before I met Courtney, I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a father. I wanted to have kids. I come from a big family. So definitely a major, major accomplishment. Gotcha. Perfect. That's your five? That's my five. All right. So let's do this. I always like to start off by giving you a chance to just talk about your childhood. Like, where did you grow up? Where is Melissa Roundtree from? Um, just a little bit about your upbringing, you know, family environment, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. Did you live on a farm? Did you live in the city? Did you run up and down the block playing sports? Like just kind of take us through so that we know, you know, uh, what you were like as a kid. Okay. Um, I grew up in the small town of Leveland, Texas, which is about 25 miles west of, Lo of Lubbock, Texas. Um, lived in Texas my whole life, never moved out. I have two brothers. I am the middle child. They're six and a half years older and six and a half years younger. All right. So we spread um, quite uh, pretty far. Uh, my parents were married until the day my mom died. Um, so I had a good example in marriage and making it through all the tough things in life. My two brothers gave me a hard time, so I think I'm pretty tough. I'm little, but I am. <laughs> I can handle my. I can handle myself. Tiny but mighty. That's right. That's, that's right. what my mom always used to say. Tiny but mighty. That, that, that's a good descriptor. I like that. Um, as far as what I did, I was very active. I was, I, I drove my mom crazy. I, you would think having two boys that I would be the one that probably was the calmest, but that's absolutely not the truth. I was everywhere doing everything. I played every sport. If it was the season I was playing, I was basketball, volleyballs. I never played soccer. We weren't allowed to play soccer. I was a gymnast. Um, that was actually where my heart was. That's what I was the best at. So I was like, what else did I do? Ran. I love to run. I was a sprinter until I got older and realized that I could run long distance. Yeah. I always thought I had to do everything fast. And so when I would run long distance, I still ran fast. And it was like, this is terrible. Yep. But once, once I got older and realized I don't have to be the fastest, I can just run my race. 
So what was your race? What was my race? I ran the 200. Okay. 200 was my favorite. I ran, I ran the um, 800 meter relay and I ran the 200. I did long jump and triple jump. Okay. All right. It's funny that you say that too, because Courtney, when her and I were first married within a couple of years, we would go out and, and jog and run together. And I was a marathon runner before she was, and she would never, ever go out for a long run with me. And this was back when we lived off of uh, 1604 and 281. And I would join a marathon group and go out and run 10, 15 miles. And she would stay asleep. And by the time I got home, she was just barely waking up, right? Well, then we decided to start running together. And she's like going way past me, like and booking it. And I'm like, I'm having a hard time keeping up with her. And she's like, but isn't this what running is? And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not a competition. Like you want to sustain this for long periods of time. Uh, She just didn't understand it. And that's why she hated running so much because she felt like she had to sprint it and run it as fast as possible. So I totally, totally understand how she felt because it took me forever to figure out that I could just kind of relax and run. And I always looked at people that were jogging and thought, that's ridiculous. What a waste of time. Like, if I'm going to go, I'm going to get there fast. Yes, you're exactly right. All right. So, so growing up in, in Level Land, you, yes. did you go elementary, middle school, high school out there? I did. I, my elementary, I walked to school every day. My elementary was right down the block from me. Just a small little elementary. And then we had a middle school and then junior high and then high school all in level in, but everything was spread out. I mean, it's, it's a small town, but it's about 15,000 people. Yeah. Did you ever have to like dodge tum- tumbleweeds on your way to school? All the time. <laughs> I was good did at dodging. Did one ever catch you? Yes. Did yes. You- I've been hit with tumbleweeds. Did they leave marks on you? Yes. They'll leave whelps. Oh man. I'll never forget that being in Lubbock and dodging tumbleweeds the size of my vehicle on 289. That's this. I really thought that I was like on a real life episode of like, like Frogger or something like that. Just speeding up, slowing down, moving to the left lane. Like, and I was like trying to like dodge them on my way to work on loop 289 in Lubbock. Yes. I'll never forget that. And the whole. And then the, the wind would change directions and you would end up with it right against your car. Crazy times, crazy times. All right. Um, so let's go to like high school. Um, kind of like you, obviously you were a, a runner. Um, did you cheer? Were you a cheerleader? Did you did gymnastics? Like what, what, what did you do? And then kind of take me in the process of like up to senior year when you were trying to make a decision to go to college. Okay. I, so I was a gymnast my whole life from four years old on. I was a thumb sucker. That's a terrible thing to admit. I was a thumb sucker, but my parents, my, my mom always knew that she could bribe me with anything. So she bribed me and said, if you will stop sucking your thumb, you can start gymnastics. Cause all my cousins, I have a bunch of girl cousins on one side, they were all in and that's all I wanted to do. So she said, she came in that night and I was going pulling my thumb away. I wouldn't suck my thumb. Like all night, <laughs> I never sucked my thumb. So she signed me up for gymnastics the next day. I did that forever, tumbling, trampoline, um, double mini and gymnastics. And they didn't have that at my high school. So actually I played basketball until I tried out for cheerleader and in our little tiny district, which it was a 4A, but you weren't allowed to do both. Our coach with Dean Weiss was an amazing basketball coach, but he wouldn't allow you to be a cheerleader and play basketball. So I had to give up basketball and I cheered because of course I was a gymnast. So that was the closest thing there was to it. 
in high school. So I cheered all through high school um, and ran. And as far as getting up to school, I was always, I was more concerned with academics, to be honest. I did play and I enjoyed life, but I was really focused and determined to be one of the best. So I worked hard and made it to my senior year, graduated in the top five of my class and not the top 5%, but I was, I was the fifth in my class, which awesome. I worked for. Yeah. So I really could have gone to any school I wanted to. And I knew I, I was, I went to nursing school. I started off at nursing school at South Plains college in Loveland, Texas. Okay. And I got into nursing school and decided uh, once we started clinicals, we were in trying to think which nursing home it was in a nursing home. And I had just programmed my mind to think, well, RNs don't do this. RNs don't do that. Yeah. To my surprise, RNs do all of that. It's yep. whoever's first on the scene. So I made it through my first year and I, and I changed my major because I just couldn't do I was in the nursing home for an entire semester, I think. And I, that was it. I just decided I couldn't do all of the stuff that I needed to be able to do. Yeah. So then what'd you change your major to? Well, I had a whole lot of biology credits at that point. So I changed it to biology and a minor in kinesiology. Okay. And I transferred to um, LCU, Lubbock Christian University. Yep. And graduated there in two and a half or two years after that. Okay. All right. Well, well, that that's awesome. I, I love the fact that I don't think I ever knew that you started off as a nursing uh, major, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting to find out because most people always change their major at least once anyway. Right. So I, I started off in sports med uh, athletic training until I quickly realized how many hours I was going to have to put in with football. Right. Before practice, after practice games, and I was like, uh, no, I can't, I can't do this. And I switched to basically Kines. Right. You know, but <clears throat> all right. Uh, sorry. It's these allergies and my nose and those of y'all listening. It's like crazy pollen time. So coach Herrera has a weird voice at the moment, but all right, let's, so let's go into um, becoming a teacher. So you graduated from LCU. Um, take us through kind of like, you know, what, where was your mindset? What did, Oh. Did you have your mind made up already to go into teaching or did you yes. get into, you did. Okay. So kind at of take point, us through that. Yeah. At that point I did because I knew that I wanted a family. I knew that that was my number one goal that was to have kids and to have a career that I could spend time with my kids and not be at work all the time. And you're so, 22 years old around at that time. I was, I started teaching at 21. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I got my, um, so I was offered a, an internship. So instead of doing a student teaching set, I went, uh, I started as an intern and got paid to student teach. And just from there, I've been teaching ever since. This is my, where was that? This is, I was in Meadow, Texas, like right. It's right outside of Lubbock. I I didn't even know where it was when I went for my interview. I had to find it on an old school map that you folded out. and, And it was the first time I'd ever been there was when I went for an interview between Lubbock and Brownfield. Wow. It was tiny. It was a 1A school. I'd always been in a 4A school, you know, pretty decent size. And all of a sudden I'm at this school that they're all connected. Like every school was connected together. And I had elementary PE that I taught. 
which was amazing. And we were on a block schedule. So I did elementary PE and then I would go over to the junior high and teach seventh grade science. And then I would go to the high school and teach high school health and high school dance. Crazy. Yeah. I can, you know what? I just, I get this picture of you like in a small little gym with all these little babies and all of them like chasing you and you're just running around going crazy and having a fun time. Oh, I did. I miss I can it. Totally see that. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So you started teaching there and what steps along the way did you take before you got here? So I, I taught there for three years and then I got a call from my old principal at Leveland junior high asking me if I'd like a job. So I went to Leveland junior high and taught seventh and eighth grade science did that for three years. And then I got another call from a friend that was at a school in Lubbock at an elementary. And I interviewed for an elementary PE job. I spent eight years at Haynes Elementary. And I, I it was, it was awesome. Like I, that was, I love my job now, but as far as just fun, I had a blast. Oh yeah. I'm I got sure. my work, workout all day long. My kids were awesome. Like it was, uh, it was amazing. And I was there for eight years. So by the time I left, I taught families. I didn't teach like one or two kids. I had the whole family. So I loved that. Um, and then my husband got a job down here. So we moved and there was an opening at Steel High School. And my end to Steel High School was a cheer coach. So I took the cheer coach job and I've been here ever since. So how many, how many, once you complete this year, how many years here at Steel? This is, I think I'll complete my eighth year. No. Yeah. Eighth year. Okay. And then how many total years in education? 23. 23. Out of girl. All right. You got eight, you got eight years on me. You're getting, that, you're getting that much closer to uh, retirement. I am. I can kind of smell it a little, bit, a little bit. How many years? Five, seven? How many? Yeah, like six, six years left. I six think years? six and a half. <clears throat> All right. So this is my 15th. So I figured like I've done kind of like my 15. And now I'm kind of like, you know, I'll do 15 more, you know. So it's it's kind of downward now. So I can count down the years now. That's uh, right. And that's if I retire at, at you know what? I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to take that back. I hope and pray that I can retire as a teacher to coach. And yes. that I don't get burnt out or pushed away or, you know, because my heart's in it. My intentions are pure. I love kids. I love teaching. I love the relationships that I get to form with these kids. Um, and that's what it's all about. And I have to remind myself that when we have our bad days, when we get the emails from the parents or the kids don't want to do their work, why I'm here, what my purpose is. Right. So I hope and pray that I can retire as a teacher and a coach. All right, so 23 years and eight years at Steel High School. Well, let's kind of go there for just a second, the good segue into kind of what I just said about my purpose. What is your purpose? Like, what is what is your why? Why are you a teacher? And why have you now been doing it for 23 years? Because I love my students. Like, I truly love my students. And the funny thing is, I don't even call them my students. I call them my kids. They're my kids. Yeah. And my family gets really disgusted with me sometimes because I feel like I give... I may give too much of my heart to my kids because I really, I go home and I talk about them all the time and I'm excited about what I do. And I try to, I try to make my family, my students also, and try to teach them. Um, 
I just love it. I love, I love building those relationships with my students. And I feel like they don't always see that positive light in their day. And I try my best to be that positive light to kind of build some kind of connection to motivate them to be successful in life. So were you ever, so you didn't get a degree in education, obviously you got a degree in biology um, and you got your, what'd you get your master's in? I got my master's in educational administration. Okay. So even with that, that's actually good that you, you have that. Were you ever taught in that, in your master's about relationship building? Um, gosh, it's been a while now since I did it. I'm not talked about because I'm sure it was, but were yeah, you ever no, taught? I don't remember being, I mean, I'm, no one's ever taught me how to build a relationship. I think Isn't that, that crazy to think about though? Yeah. That, and trust me, Melissa, I've been doing, you're the 24th interview that I've had, right? It's amazing how many conversations I've had with other teachers and like you and I that have in common with everybody else I've interviewed, everyone's right. why because I asked that question precisely to everybody. Right. It's about the kids. It's about the relationships. I don't have a degree in education. I got my alternative certification, but I don't care if you did my route, your route, principalship, whatever. Right. There's no, there's no regular, there's no textbook. There's no course on relationship building with students, which means we are really good, authentic creators of relationships because we do it our way. True. I do it differently than you do. Right. But our results, I would imagine, is the same. I do things where, like, my kids write journals. And I don't care about grammar. I don't care if they curse. I don't, I don't, I don't care. It's private. I read it. I respond to it. And I'm able to connect to them without ever having a conversation. What are some things that you do in your classroom? Is there anything that you do to particularly build relationships or is it just kind of within the flow of teaching? Oh, I start my year off building relationships. So I mean, well, I just, what, what's something that you do at the beginning of the year? <clears throat> we do get to know you activities. I do a lot of get to know you in the first few weeks of the year to make sure that I get to know them. I do a lot of, one-on-one -on -one with my students trying to get to know them so I can learn their names, their face, and, and they know that they're important when they walk in my door. So we'll, we'll share that, share that. Like, what do you do? Uh, elaborate on that. What do you mean you do one-on-one? -on -one? Like literally you sit down with a I, like I sit down, I sit down and have conversations with, I try to sit down and within the first week of school, sit down and have a conversation with each one of them individually. Where do you do that? In the back of my room. I, I'm blessed because I have a lab room. So I have private conversation areas where we can actually sit back and just kind of get to know you. Do you have, you have a series of questions or you just kind of like go with the feel? Like, do you just, I just kind of fill them, fill them out and kind yeah. of ask them, you know, where they're from, what they've been doing and um, just take the time to find out a little bit about them and how they ended up in anatomy and physiology, because that's definitely a choice to be in my class. Yes. Yeah. See, I love that. I mean, to me, you're having little mini podcasts with your kids. And that's, that's the purpose to me, the, the purpose behind this whole podcast, like I, I don't do this podcast to put it out there. I initially, when I made the decision to do something like this and get out of my comfort zone was simply to have conversations with teachers. I mean, I know you, we've known each other for a while here, but I can't tell you everything about you, nor could you probably tell everything about me. It's just 
the, the purpose behind it is so that we can connect outside of the classroom. Right. We're never given this time. That's true. To, to learn who we work with. True. We know each other. We don't know everyone's name on campus. Yeah. <laughs> There's people I pass by every day and I'm like, good morning. Hey, how are you? And I, I have no idea what their name is. Oh, yeah. That's not okay. And my goal through this podcast is to hopefully interview everybody. And then all you have to do is interview the new teachers every year. And anybody can go back and say, I want to learn more about Melissa Roundtree. Who, who is she? Where'd she grow up? Or, you know, whatever. And it's the same thing that I try to do with my kids. And the same thing that you try to do with your kids. Take an opportunity to get to know them. That's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to use that because we had the skills lab. Right. I think it'd be a good opportunity to privately have conversations like, you know, when you get a little deeper, right? Like, is there anything that I should know? Right. Yeah, we do. We do that. And I do a personal, like before I even go there, everybody gets like a Google assignment, a Google, Google form that they fill out with those kind of questions. So they kind of are prepared before I ever sit down and talk to them. I don't tell them I'm going to sit down and talk to them, but they, they, they actually get to kind of conversate and let me know what they want me to know, even without having to speak sometimes as well. I heard this on, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. If I see that, if, if they walk in, like you can read your students, you know, yeah, you're having a bad day. So I always like, come on, come, come, come tell me what's going on. Like, yep. tell me what, what's up. You're not yourself. Come, is there anything that you need? And they usually tell me more than I want to know. But I think that's important too. You've got to read them, make, make connections. You've got to look at your students and really, really look at them understand and you can tell like your, your own children when you look in their eyes you know if they're sick yep you know if they're not feeling well you know by their mannerisms you know if they're upset if they're sad and so I really do I don't necessarily get in personal but I pull them in in and they get personal yes no absolutely so I heard this on a podcast um where a student said this to a teacher why should I content with you when you haven't connected with me? That's right. And that's a very powerful statement coming from a kid. We have to do those connections and, and you do it over time. You have to let those kids know. And you know what? Like being a male teacher, you got a girl coming to my classroom. She's crying. Who knows? Her boyfriend just broke up with her or whatever, right? She's a drama queen. Who cares? She's a high school kid. She's a teenager. Let her be a drama queen. What does she want? She wants attention. Give it to her. That's right. Because ultimately, all that matters at the end of the day is that those kids that have outwardly way of expressing their need for attention, give it to them. Because now they know you care. I bet you they don't keep walking into your classroom like that. Now they're going to go straight to your desk. Hey, coach, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> you know? You have to give them that time of day, just recognize. And, and when you were talking a little while ago, I don't mean to go spiritual at all, but I am a spiritual person. And I truly believe that it's a God-given gift to be able to visualize and see kids for who they are and the emotions and the things they go through. Because, Melissa, you and I, I know I sh- we share this in common, that we can see that right away when they walk into our room. But not every teacher is blessed with that idea and vision and perception that a kid's struggling and they let that kid go sit down in the classroom, put their head down, cry, fall asleep, put their AirPods in or whatever. And they keep teaching. 
Right. You know good and well there's people here on this campus. And the purpose is not to put them on blast right now. The point is you have to first recognize what that kid looks like on a good day, what they look like on an average day, and what they look like on a bad day. That's right. And some of us are where, where we got blinders on. And all we see is the kid walking in that day. And it doesn't matter if they're in a good mood or bad mood. We still teach. I mean, I'm sure you've had days like this where you've had that kid come into your classroom and you've stepped outside in the hallway. You've, you went in the back and you literally talked to that kid probably the whole period. And you right. could care less about your lesson for that day, even though it's science and you got to get this and you got to do that. The kid is the most important part of your day in that moment at that time. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to like tangent there, but that's, that's just my heart. And I think you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it. And I think people need to take more time to get to know their kids. All right. Oh, I agree. You'll never have discipline. If you get to know your kids and make and build relationships with them, you won't have to worry about discipline. Discipline's not even in the vocabulary. It's just management. It's all it is. You just build relationships and then they, they just do their job. Yep. And then we just hold each other accountable. Well, let's move on to the next question here. So like, all right, so you're in your classroom. Um, How do you define success in your classroom specifically you? Me like success with my, with my students. Yep. Um, Obviously I, I look at it different ways. Of course, a wonderful grade is definitely successful to them and that's what they think is the most important, but my success, I determine it more on our conversations and what they are able to ask what they want to know, what they can tell me that they already know. Um, I, I look more at ju- than just at what they scored on the test because that's, I mean, that's a piece. That's a piece of what they can memorize and regurgitate for the most part. But really the conversations that we have in the discuss- the classroom discussions and labs where they can show me what they've, what they've learned and what they can do. Individual growth individual growth which is different for every kid right yes yeah it's not yeah success does not look the same for all my students that's for sure absolutely it may be a high five for getting a 70 on a test which is the highest score the kids gotten all year that's success absolutely amen to that success yeah that's right no absolutely no yep you have to celebrate that for those kids because you know it's like in athletics we always talk about how you know we might have straight a students and, and the kids that failed, other ones always doing the, the towel pushes and the punishments. But no, but we hold the other kids to the same standard because if you're straight A's and you get a B, right. that's equivalent to that kid failing a class or making a 74. So you got to hold everybody accountable. Um, right. Take you back to elementary, middle school, and high school. So no college. Who is a teacher that you will always remember? Is there a teacher that if I said, who is your favorite teacher of all time? Who is that individual? What made them so special for you? Um, I have several, but I think that's probably why I'm a te- ended up a teacher is because I have a list of teachers. Miss um, Miss Holcomb was my third grade teacher, and she was amazing. I was a very active, very busy person, and so I would finish my work and I would go kind of go crazy in class. Not go crazy, but I wouldn't sit still and just be quiet. So I would have to go out and do things, and I kind of got in trouble because I would be talking while everybody else is still working. So she set a goal for me to, to stop. Like every parent conference was always great, except for I couldn't be still and I couldn't be quiet. So she actually set this big goal for me and I won a big award at the end of the year. And it was with her help because she 
taught me how to channel my energy. <laughs> I, and I know, and I got the, I can't remember what even the award was, but it was like most, it wasn't most improved, but it had to do with attitude and right, yeah, yeah. behavior because I wasn't a behavior issue. I just, I talked a lot and says and the everybody else was cheerleader. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she stood out. And then also, um, Miss Humphreys was my first grade teacher and she was just amazing. Everything that she did was positive. She was tons of fun. Um, and she's the one that got me excited about school. That's awesome. All right. Um, <clears throat> so in your opinion, what do you think makes a teacher, uh, an amazing person, amazing teacher? What qualities, what, what are some things that teachers have to do to be considered amazing? To be amazing, they have to be motivators and motivators of all, not just of some. They have to be compassionate. They have to listen and, and care, truly care about their students. They have to take the time to build relationships because without a relationship, the kid, I mean, it's going to take a lot more motivation to get them to do what you want them to do. Um, I think organization is necessary because teaching, you've got so many tasks that you have to keep track of each day. Very true. Late work, grades here, grades there. And now with remote, it's gotten a lot different. But I think all of those things, and I think being an excellent communicator is extremely important when teaching, not just standing up and, and teaching in front of the crowd because anybody well, not anybody can do that. A lot of people can do that part. You can give a lecture, right? but it goes well beyond giving lectures. And I think the more I've learned in the last few years, I've, I've kind of adapted my classroom and it's more of a, it, it's student centered and I'm kind of a sage on the stage. Yeah. I, I, I facilitate discussions and I ask questions and, and they ask me questions, but I don't just stand up and lecture about something for 45 minutes the way I was taught. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, I was, I just want to switch gears for just a little bit. We're kind of wrapping things up here pretty soon, but just kind of like switch back to like a get to know you type questions to just, you know, stop with the philosophical educational questions here. What do you do for fun? Oh, I do so much fun. Um, I love to garden, which I love digging in the dirt. I don't know why. It's just, it's peaceful. It's kind of like, therapeutic. yes, it is very therapeutic. It's like a kid with a sandbox. Yep. Um, I like to exercise and that's, that takes so many different avenues. I, I, I love classes because I think classes are fun and motivating. What kind of classes do you go to any right now? Um, I like, I like hit classes. Those are my favorite because they're high intensity. Are you doing them anywhere now though? Um, on my phone in my okay. house. Okay. So you got yeah. an app. Okay. You got your own weight yeah, sets I, and stuff like that. Okay. I do. Yeah. I've, after COVID I stopped going to gyms. Yeah. A and lot I of started, people have started doing my, my patio is my gym. Okay. Plus I love being outside. Anything I do, if it's outside, I'm happy pretty much. I mean, that I, I like to kayak. I like to paddleboard. We go, we love the lake. So I go boating, boating, um, anything that's outdoors, really hiking, right. climbing. I love all that kind of stuff. All right, cool. Um, okay. So what are your biggest challenges that you have? And they can be life. They can be educational. Traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's, 
that is a big challenge every day. It's like, I don't know what time to leave to get here at the same time every day. That's a challenge. Um, some other challenges. Which, which that I side note, side note, Night Nation, just so that you know, Melissa Roundtree and I tend to leave our houses at the same time. And we also get home about the same time because we always see each other on Highway 46 at some point. So that is the truth. <laughs> not on, not by design, just by pure, <laughs> this, those are our schedules. That is, that is right. That's our schedules. And, and sometimes traffic throws that schedule off just a little, but we're okay. Um, more challenges. I think one of the biggest challenges is changing with the world today. Yeah. Like being able to adapt. And I feel like I'm pretty adaptable. I feel more flexible now than I've ever been in my life, but it is challenging because kids are changing. I mean, they're changing drastically and it's a challenge to kind of change with them and to go with, with where they're headed. You've got to really challenge yourself to, to open your mind and be willing to, to go the extra mile in their direction. Yeah. And, and certainly, and the word that comes to mind when you said that is you have to allow yourself to, because the, the alternative is to stop and be your same self, but we right. cannot be so naive to know that the world around us in the last two years, the climate, and I don't mean climate, but the climate has completely changed. Absolutely. And if we as educators don't educate ourselves, right then we cannot better serve today's kid. Right. You've been in education for 23 years. I've been in education for 15 years. And if we're teaching the same today that we taught when we first got started, we're a disservice to today's kid. Oh, absolutely. And in five and 10 years, we have to change and adapt to that style of teaching. I saw someone post on Facebook last night. I don't remember who it was, um, but they posted a picture of uh, a study um, that a teacher decided to do with their kids. And every single time their cell phone got a notification, they kept a tally on a piece of paper on their desk. And within the class period and within the class day, they put them on the board. And it was like 1,600 and something. Wow. And they used the word interruptions. Kids were interrupted 1,687 or something like that times in a day from their phones. Okay, well, as teachers, we have to be aware of that, right? What, this is rhetorical, but like, what are we doing in our classrooms to do our best to prevent that? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, in some teachers, they're just, they're, you walk into their classroom and all the kids are like this. Right. And like you walk into my class, kids might be on their phone, but it's because they're doing their journal and then they put it away because that's the way I do it. But it's like, and the teacher's still up there lecturing. It blows my mind how many times. But yes, you're right. We have to adapt. We have to change. Um, okay. Um, so one, uh, two more questions. Question is, two parts. What is one thing that you struggle with as a teacher versus one thing that you absolutely feel confident in as a teacher? Okay. And you can start with the, with, with yeah, the confident one if you want to. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the struggle. So. Come on, pat yourself on the back. I know. I don't know. I mean, I know you're a good teacher. What am I, what, 
I what are you confident in? Like, like my, what's your A game? My, my A game is, I mean, of course I know my stuff, but really I think teaching and giving them multiple, multiple different types of activities to try to engage every single student. So I think honestly, my talent, although this year it's, it's changing just a little bit, but my talent and what I'm really good at is getting all the students engaged getting everybody to participate whether okay. they want to or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's tough. Eventually I get them to buy in and they yeah. will participate. Um, as far as my biggest struggle goes, I think my biggest struggle as a teacher, gosh, it's the, it's the amount of work. I think that's my biggest struggle is not overworking myself because I do, I have to have everything perfect and yep that puts a lot of pressure on me. I, I feel like I work nonstop. I've worked during every single lunch hour and that's, that's not good. That's not good. So Melissa, I'm going to ask you a question. This is not, I wasn't going to ask you this question, but I am now. When did I first ask you to be on this podcast? At the beginning of school when we were doing remote. <laughs> okay. So, and the reason why that, that brought up is because Melissa, I know that about you. You and I are both type A personality people. We yes. work ourselves to death. We want to get it right. We want to be perfect. And for those of you listening, we were in remote learning, no kids on campus podcast episode, probably number two or three. And I reach out to Melissa. She's like, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. And then it went silent for a little while. And, and I sent her a text message. And she agreed to do this. So first of all, thank you for actually agreeing to it at the end of the year, but we still got it done. But I've got one last remaining question for you. Every episode, I always like to give teachers a chance to, you know, give a shout out to give thanks uh, to somebody that's in your corner, someone that you can lean on and rely on um, that without that person on campus, you know, you wouldn't be maybe the same teacher that you are, same friend or colleague. So who is that one individual that you would like to give a shout out and give thanks to and why? My shout out goes to Kelly Beck. She okay. is always there no matter what I need, no matter what's going on. If she, I mean, she's always in my corner. <clears throat> well, Ms. Beck, thank you so much for being in her corner. Melissa, thank you for participating in this episode. It's always a pleasure getting time to talk with teachers and getting to know them. And we did that today. Um, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for giving me some of your time when I know you type A perfectionist could have been doing something else, um, but you took an hour of your time to meet with me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and be blessed. And we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Keeping Up With The Knights. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you subscribe and click the notification button so you know when the next episode is released and then share it with your friends and colleagues. If you're so inclined to do so, would you please rate and review this podcast to help me grow our community of listeners? I hope there was something that you heard today that allowed you to connect outside the classroom. Now, more than ever, we need each other as a support system, and we need to continue to make this the best high school in the state of Texas. Thank you, Night Nation. Now, go be someone's champion today.